Aside from Ms. Winter's interesting quality, do you think she can be trusted? Well, you know how I feel about telepaths. <laughs> do I ever? I sure like to know where you're going with this. Someplace very dark. Free Mars. He just happens to be my third favorite thing in the universe. Hello and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 watchcast hosted by two friends who have gotten to know each other and will continue to get to know each other over the show Babylon 5. I'm Jafar. And I'm Laura. I stumbled on that one a little bit, didn't I? No. That's fine. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> Not any worse than um, I have. <laughs> so today, instead of getting to ask you a question, I thought it might be fun to do a little dream casting. Yeah, let's do it. The reboot of Babylon 5, which was the uh, aforementioned genesis of this cold open, has been delayed. Right. Pending sale of the CW, I think. Yeah. It's a weird situation. Hopefully the reboot survives. If it does not, then we still have a very good show to watch. We've got four seasons of very good television and... Surely this is a very valuable property. Yeah, I know. It's got to have... There's got to be some money to be made, I hope. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I'm still buying Babylon 5 action figures. So (laughs) (laughs) given that the episode in front of us, season two, episode six, focuses a bit on Talia, it might be fun to recast her. So uh, Talia, uh, originally played by Andrea Thompson, Talia is a very interesting character who is really defined by how she leaves the show, which I will not get into spoilers for but it is very compelling. Mm -hmm. Um, At least I remember it being very compelling. It's been a little while now, so if it's terrible, forgive me. (laughs) I will make that correction when we review that episode. But there is a bit of a twist with her, and that is a twist that is uh, foreshadowed very heavily in this episode and the ending of the episode that we're reviewing today, which if you're listening to this, then I don't consider spoilies for the episode that we're reviewing. (laughs) Right. Um, Which is she actively chooses... Uh, Psychor over her friends at the very end of this episode. And that is something that is going to be kind of the uh, the battle for her internally for the rest of her time on the show. Yeah. It's the core's mother, the core's father, but I kind of have this other family that I've been slowly developing and maybe I like them more, maybe I don't, mm-hmm. and that's something I'm going to have to reckon with. Yep. So because of this... And because Psychor is continually portrayed to us as this very evil organization that is actively manipulating everything around them and just causing all kinds of chaos in the galaxy, as far as we can tell. And they are evil, mm-hmm. like just outright. They're just, that's how they're portrayed. Capital letters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. I thought it would be fun to see someone who's a little bit more goofy okay. in this role. Okay. But not like Zoe to Chanel goofy, but someone who's definitely got a capacity for humor. You don't want a manic pixie dream telepath? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I do want someone who is typecast, though, as kind of like the trustable friend. Okay. And for that, Judy Greer really comes to mind. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to Google just to get an image because I know Judy Greer by her voice. Yes. Uh, yeah. She is uh, in Archer. Yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah, Judy Greer is like, she's even written a book about how she's always the supportive best friend co-star in movies and never the main character. Oh, yeah. Um, And this doesn't really break that mold, but given what's coming for her and the tough decisions that we have to make, I think having someone who you kind of culturally innately trust because of all the other roles that you've she's played and that you associate with the actress, that that's a very fun space to play in knowing what's coming down the road. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting because, you know, we we didn't talk about what we were looking at when we decided to do this dream casting and say, no, like what vibes we were picking as important. I thought, you know, I really like Talia's kind of scary white lady vibe. Because <laughs> um, okay. she does, she has that sort of, she's beautiful, right? But she could be kind of dangerous vibe to her. Yeah. And so that's what- yeah, a little. A little bit of danger for sure. Yeah. It's the power suits. It's the the 
iron flat blonde hair like it's the impeccable lipstick like she is beautiful but you also get this feeling like she could be a problem Mm -hmm. and so i was thinking what actresses for me can i see being that beautiful person but also maybe they're a little scary or they could they could do that edge in the Mm -hmm. role so i actually thought amy adams because you okay. know her from, you know, things like Disney movies and bubbly and pretty and she sings and she dances. But I think she could also turn and give us like a scary sharp edge. For sure. Um, she's definitely got some dramatic chops. That She was in Arrival, right? I'm thinking of the right movie. Yes, I think I think so. Yeah, she was in Arrival. Mm-hmm. It was Lois Lane, right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so she's she's a big, big name. So obviously that's a very yeah. ambitious fan casting that I'm doing here. Well, I mean, that's the point, is to have fun with it. I mean, if we're being absolutely honest with ourselves, we may have heard of a couple of the actors, but they will not be big-name actors if the show ever gets off the ground. Sure, sure. Um, we, we more than likely will not have heard of any of them because it's a sci-fi show on the CW. Yeah. So I wish it would be an HBO Max show, honestly. It'd be so... Depending on where the network sale and all that stuff ends up, it's entirely it possible. Be. Yeah. I mean, I think that so. they could do a good job. Yeah. But yeah, I was thinking Amy Adams because I like that that dangerous vibe, but she can also do goofy. We know that. Yeah, no, I'm here for it. That'd be uh, interesting. Yeah, I like both of those. And I like that we both kind of kept it in that, you know, with I think with our, our Sinclairs, we got kind of a little more adventurous, but I, I feel like Talia needs to have a certain vibe for the Psychor to really yeah. make the Psychor scary. 100%. Psychor needs to be scary. That's that's a foundational uh, pillar of the show and its mythos. So, mm-hmm. And has the main representative of Psychor in season one and two. It's important for Talia to be able to bring that out. Yeah. I don't know how closely JMS would want to reboot his universe. Does he even want to have a Talia? Does he want to have a Bester? But I think that those would be good choices. Because you want to have a Psychor. Like, <laughs> is it going to be something else entirely? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, uh, just from a, like, technological perspective, the CGI and makeup and all that game has changed so much that he could not have humans in the show. Yeah. And, you know, have completely radical-looking aliens all over the place if you wanted. I think we as humans might be turned off on a show not about us. <laughs> yeah, we tend to be fickle beings, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I think the humans will still want humans. But, you know, I, I wonder part if if part of the psychor story element in general is that it's a scary villain that you don't have to have a lot of scary stuff for. Yeah. And now we can do the scary stuff easier. You know, the the special effects and the prosthetics and crazy that. dream sequences and yeah yeah definitely but i would hope that psychor would stay in the story it's so classic I, I think it's important but i will not begrudge jms any changes he wants to make to the story because yeah. it's his story to do that with you know yep and we it's still just... have the original like what no he could do a completely different thing babylon 5 could be a ship and not a space station for some reason and <laughs> not have any diplomacy and not have any aliens and he could tell something completely different with it, just using the same name because he likes the name. Mm-hmm. And that's okay with me. Not because it, you know, it doesn't ruin the original. The original still exists. Yeah. You know, it's still right there for you to consume in the exact way you remember it with all the nostalgia you had. I would rather have something more new and different, even if I don't like it, just to encourage the creation of more and newer things. Sure, totally. The last thing I want to see is another damn reboot of something that's just a shitty remake. Yeah. Done it a million times. I don't care anymore. I'm numb to it. Well, what episode of Babylon 5 are we reviewing today? (laughs) Today we're going to be reviewing Season 2, Episode 6, Spider in the Web. This is another non-JMS episode. Mm -hmm. Um, It's our third in a row. In our air order, we had four in a row. On HBO Max order, we don't. So we've got three more non-JMS episodes this season. And once we are done with those three, we don't get another until season five. 
Wow. This was written by Larry Dottillo, who wrote a handful of episodes of Babylon 5 already. Mm -hmm. He's also the creator of He-Man. Nice. Which is where he met JMS. JMS was a writer on He-Man. That checks out, and yeah. And the two are listed as co-creators of She-Ra. Oh, hey. The new Netflix? No, the original. Oh, the original. Okay, sorry. Um, but I think JMS gets a has a credit on the... I haven't seen the new one, but... That's where JMS really got his start on television, was in animated shows, and the two of them did He-Man, She-Ra, and the real Ghostbusters together. Nice. Uh, so we open on Sheridan and Ivanova going over details of a function when Ivanova gets pulled away. We cut to Talia's quarters, and Taro Asaki arrives, and hey, it's James Shigoda. Yeah, we got some I recognize really... this guy. We got some good guest stars in this one. There are a ton of guest stars in this episode. And it's actually, there was an anecdote about it in my episode guidebooks that I found at that used bookstore mm -hmm. about how they were really pushing to get guest stars to draw people to watch the show for these couple of episodes huh. uh, when they were in production. Uh -huh. This is a weird place to just drop into the show. Yeah. But hey, whatever, whatever <laughs> it is, is what it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, I initially clocked James from Die Hard. Yeah. That's where I recognize from. That's the big credit, uh, right? But I did some research. And he was actually a very successful pop, jazz, and lounge singer huh. for decades, even earning the title the Sinatra of Japan. Oh, wow. Which is fun because he's actually Hawaiian mm -hmm. and didn't learn Japanese until he got a contract with a, a Toyo studio in Japan, where he then had to learn Japanese to go do movies and music over there. Yeah. Yeah, we saw him on screen and Aaron was like, here's a guy who's been in stuff. You can tell he's been in stuff. And I Googled yep. him and I was like, oh, yeah, he really has. IMDb calls him the biggest East Asian U.S. star for decades. Yeah, for sure. He's also General Lee in Mulan. Yes. Yes, he is. So a big, big name. So he's the head of Future Corp, which I think is just a hilarious corporation name. Best company name. <laughs> so good. Good job. I wish my work would change their name to Future Corp. <laughs> that would be pretty fun, wouldn't it? I would love to work for Future Corp. <laughs> Get me a job right. there, okay? <laughs> we'll do. If we if we ever change our name to Future Corp, I'll get you a job. Yeah. Just just find me some. I'll do I'll do anything at this point. <laughs> I'm pretty good at stuff. We always need accountants. So they're joined by Amanda Carter of the Mars Colony Business Affairs Committee. Basically, Future Corp is here to negotiate with Mars. They want, yeah, they want some of that Mars money. I can't help noticing a lot of your employees are native Martians. Yeah, they're proud, grouchy people. Well, they do work for minimum wage in a land that was once theirs. Yeah, but they never made wise use of the land. Yeah, they want a Mars business deal. Give me that sweet, sweet Mars space. Give me some land. Yeah. Give me some stuff. Let me take yeah, your resources. Mars. It's a planet. It's got to have money. It's got to have things. Planets have money. Mm -hmm. That's how they work, right? Yeah. That's what capitalism tells me. So Talia's here as Taro's hired telepath for the negotiations. We get a random flash to the San Diego Wasteland. I want more San Diego Wastelands from the reboot. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Give me San Diego Wastelands. Give me what happened. Give me the destruction. I want it all. Some real spy shit going on. We hear a bunch of spy buzzwords like control and operation and mm -hmm. such. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we cut back to B5 and we get this really long shot of a hand popping out of a shipping container. Yes. Like some Tarantino feet level linger on these hands. But why male models? It was very uncomfortable. It especially like highlighted the ring on the hand, which you... Almost could be fooled into thinking it's going to be important, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I can tell, that ring didn't mean anything. I thought it was interesting that, you know, the... It's it's how he takes his skin off. Oh, is it? He always twists the ring and then it comes off, his skin comes off like a glove. Are you, are you serious? I didn't notice that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it was important, I guess. Not uh, really. It's a very minor detail, but... And easy to miss if you're me. It, it is not a plot point at any, they, they do not mention it. It does not come up. So. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was interesting that when we hear the spy shit happening, you know, we've got the talking screensaver and mm -hmm. this mysterious woman, she's watching President Clark's speech that we saw several episodes back. 
Yeah, that jingoistic bullshit. Yeah, where he's talking about the world that Santiago would have wanted for his children. And I'm wondering, why is she rewatching that? I don't, I don't know. I, I want to put a story into it, but I can't, can't get there. Why does my neighbor have eight Trump flags? <laughs> One would have done the job. Uh? Two is plenty, but lining your whole garage... That's weird, They're all man. different. He actually rotates them a lot, too. He's probably got like 20 or 30, I got to imagine, because they're constantly changing out. It's like when you see sometimes, and maybe you don't have these up there in Michigan, I don't know, but sometimes you see these vans that'll drive around and they just are covered in bumper stickers and like word salad. Oh, oh yeah, you... no, this this happens in Michigan. Okay. We've got some, <laughs> we've got some people with opinions up here. But even the ones that it's just like word salad and it's like, I don't know what you think you're saying to me because none of this makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a handful that are cohesive. We have the, I think it's the Trump truck driving around up here. I don't know mm -hmm. if this is a, a thing that made its way in the oh. news anywhere else in the country, Okay, uh, but it's literally a Trump parade float that is privately owned and just driven around the city all the time. Oh, cool. That's a thing. Yeah. The Midwest is great, isn't it? <laughs> It's really bad at left turns, and it blocks up a ton of traffic, and I hate it for that reason, because that's enough for me, yeah. and there's plenty of other reasons I could, but I don't need them. Mm -hmm. No, that's pretty in uh, inconsiderate. Very inconvenient and inconsiderate of other people, <laughs> and you could read into that as much as you'd like. Mm -hmm. So we cut back from theme, and we get... Senator Bluth! Captain Sheridan. Senator, what can I do for you? Well... Don't just sit there sweating like a gigantic cheese. Do something. Senator Bluth has one question for John Sheridan, which is how much could a space station cost, John? Five dollars. Uh, oh, Miss Walters. So good. So good. I, so I was like good. so excited to see her because, you know, I know her from all her more recent stuff. Yeah. And I was just. I wonder if Tickled. that's why I went with Judy Greer, if subconsciously I was thinking about Archer. Mm, perhaps. Because, because she's in this episode. That's a question <laughs> for my therapist, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, she's concerned about another rebellion on Mars. Sheridan doesn't give a fuck. He's not a narc. She says that in this case, practicality is more important than principles if lives are to be saved. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Mm, go. Go past the Patriot Act, Senator Walters. Yeah. Very not uh, interested. Yeah. Very interesting thought to ruminate on, but not here because we are going to cut back to what it yeah, is. Too much plot. <laughs> too much plot. There's a lot of plot in this show. There's a, there's a lot of plot in this show. There's a lot of plot in this episode. Yeah. We're, we're cutting back to what is still presumably that first meeting between Taro and Amanda. Taro is saying that, you know, Mars has resources that alien worlds want. And if Mars starts selling those resources to the alien worlds, then the colony can become self-sufficient and be mm -hmm. independent of Earth. So like winning our, our independence through economic means instead of, you know, bloody needs. Bloodshed. Yeah. yeah. Works uh, for Canada. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a bad idea. Amanda tries to say that this proposal is going to be a hard sell, but Talia calls her out. It's like, no, this is great. You fucking love it. <laughs> she was like, your committee loves it. You just want assurance. So Taro tells her that that's why they're here. That's why they're on Babylon 5, so that she can meet some of these contacts that Future Corp has with the alien worlds. They all have representatives on Babylon 5, and he's trying to reassure her that this plan of his can work. After all this, we cut to Sheridan and Ivanova, where <laughs> Sheridan... Tells a fun story about having to break the language barrier with aliens that look, lived on a ship that looked like a cloud. Mm -hmm. We hear so much about how different these aliens are, but we never see their ship. We never see them. Yeah. And I'm really disappointed about it. I had the That's same note. That's what I note. want out of the reboot. Yeah. I, I had the same note. I was like, this is a time that it would be great for you to show me instead of tell me about 100%. it. 100%. Show. But so I, I Googled this race when I was making my notes because I wanted to make sure I spelled it right. The mm -hmm. Takar. And I inadvertently realized that they're going to show up later. I think oh, later cool. this season, we're going to see them and it's going to be very memorable. But if you don't remember their name off the top, 
you know, top nope. of your head, then I'm just going to leave it there so you can have a fun moment later. Cool. I look forward <laughs> to having a fun moment that I managed to forget about less than a year and a half after rewatching it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a quick, like, if, if I hadn't Googled it, I would have never realized it. Well, that's one of the reasons why we like this show is stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we cut to assassination. Yeah. Talia and Taro are in the hallway. I don't know. They were talking about going to dinner, and I couldn't figure out, was this on their way to dinner, or is this from dinner? This feels like an after-dinner walk. This had the, uh, their their posture, to me, had the stroll of, we've had two bottles of wine at dinner. Oh, I just assume he needed a little help. He's not a spring chicken. So. <laughs> but, yeah, okay, so this is after dinner. Let's Let's call that canon for us. Yeah, I mean, it would suck to get assassinated and be hungry. Yeah. So we'll yeah. say it's after dinner for the sake of the character. Yeah, because then, you know, you know, the person who witnessed that is not getting dinner afterwards. Like, that's... Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so they get accosted by a man with some real lawn suitor energy. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I said to myself that he has Brad Dourif eyes, and then I started singing Betty Davis eyes at myself. But I couldn't really, like, <laughs> make that into a good... It doesn't have the right flow. It doesn't fit as a bit, but it's yeah. funny in your head. <laughs> yeah. Not not a trait to aspire to, gentlemen. You don't want Brad Dourif eyes. <laughs> you don't. No. No, you don't. <laughs> but we're going to get him later on the show. It's just going to be in another season, I think. So Brad Dourif grabs Taro by the throat, zaps him with some CGI, assassinates him. But he gets interrupted when he turns on Talia by some sort of flashback. Yeah, she starts fucking with his mind, Charles. <laughs> and we see uh, some kind of attack on a cruiser or something. It's hard, it's hard to make out. To me, it felt a lot like he was in a Star Fury that was getting blown up. Yeah. But we don't see it. It's just kind of like the glass in front of you. It kind of felt Star Fury cockpity, the pieces that were flying off. Yeah, it certainly gives off that vibe. So he walks down the hallway in confusion, leaving Talia alive and desperately trying to wake up Taro on the floor. We cut to Talia and Sheridan, who are going over the attack in Sheridan's office. Talia holds that the killer had no reason to do this for the Free Mars claim, like, this is unrelated. Free Mars would not want to do this. This dude did not have enemies. He was a gregarious dude. Everyone loved him. Mm-hmm. This is not Free Mars. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, and the other thing she says is that, you know, she scanned free Mars terrorists because apparently that's what we make Talia do is we make her scan all the criminals. Yeah. Just scan some terrorists for me, please. Yeah. Thanks, Talia. And she didn't feel the things in his mind that were in their minds. You know, there was no mm-hmm. like conviction or passion or anger. So it's all very confusing to her. It doesn't it doesn't add up. Yeah. He calls for security to escort her, and Garibaldi is waiting in the elevator. One escort at your service. Yep, he's waiting, and he promises that they're going to catch whoever did this. And Mm -hmm. so we cut to whoever did this. Yeah, we get a little bit of very mild post-loss-of-a-father figure flirting here. Yeah. Mm. I thought, so HBO Max, pausing for a second, described this episode with the words... Talia and Garibaldi develop a mutual attraction, I, I believe feel, is what you're referring to. Yes, I feel like this is a little uh, presumptuous. I feel like that's a little strong. Nothing here necessarily screams attraction to me. For sure. It, it, that's There's a little bit later in the episode that <laughs> might warrant that blurb. But... Yeah, maybe. I just read it as like people being nice to each other, which yep. isn't always attraction. But anyway... <laughs> We cut to our killer uploading his body cam footage to his boss before he deletes it. Yeah. He talks to the screensaver. The screensaver identifies Talia as a witness and instructs him to eliminate her, which, you know, we're, we're, we've all watched the episode at this point. Yeah. We know that Psychor is involved in this somehow, right? Yeah. It's She's a, little, a lowly P5. Yeah. It's a little cold that they're just like, eh, you need to take that one out even though it's yeah. one of their own. Like, that's so For sure. terrible. And then he does a quick Google search on the computer to find the location of Talia Winters, yep. which is just so frightening. Oh, she's right over here, bro. Did you want to kill her? <laughs> Asking for a friend. I'm the computer. I don't care. 
how they actually get their revenge. Over in CNC, Ivanova describes Talia as interesting. <laughs> and honestly, I've done the same when I'm trying to dodge owning up a, to a crush on someone. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel that. They discuss Talia and Psychor. And the uh, Ivanova notes, you can trust Talia, but not if we're talking about Psychor. Yeah, she says yes with a but. Mm-hmm. Sheridan instructs Ivanova not to allow any outbound traffic while they're looking for the murderer. And he also said something here. He was like, I think the killer wanted a witness, which I felt like is a weird <laughs> thing to say and not accurate for the situation. But Sheridan says a lot of words in this episode. <laughs> I don't like Sheridan in this episode. Yeah, me neither. He's very convenient. Yeah, he's, he's very convenient in the way that a white male boss can be. Yeah. I don't like Sheridan or Garibaldi in this episode, to be honest. That's fair. Sheridan goes to see the Martian leader, mm -hmm. who's like, hey, you want to maybe cooperate? I know I'm in this Earth Force uniform. And she goes, no, I'm not a fucking narc. But then he says, well, this is now a murder investigation. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I guess I can help. <laughs> yeah. So she reiterates what Talia said, that it doesn't make sense for Free Mars to have been involved in this. Taro's plan would have been a peaceful way to move Mars forward. She's just incredulous that free Mars could possibly be involved. She points her fingers at the Senate or the Mars conglomerate, who would be the most opposed to moving Mars toward independence. We cut to Garibaldi and Sheridan positing some of the what, where, why in mm -hmm. this whodunit. And we do get a casual mention of a slaver's glove. Yeah. As being the possible murder weapon. Mm -hmm. Just just yikes. Just wanted to call that out. That just made yeah. me stop and pause and go, oh, this is the universe that we live in. Mm -hmm. And remind me that I'm not watching Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, we've had the, the mention of slavery before, but we're being reminded that, yeah, this universe has slavery in it, even if Earth is not participating, which yeah. I think it's fair to say that they're probably not. You know, Earth as a, as a government is not participating in that. Yeah, it doesn't um, seem to be the case. Yeah, but we know that it's not out of the realm of possibility in some of these yeah. other places. And they have special weapons that are gloves. Hmm. <laughs> okay, cool. So Sheridan is wondering if this assassin might have had some special help, but he doesn't want to say any more about that. Yeah, he really and doesn't... He wants to allude to knowing more than he does, but doesn't want to actually own up to knowing more or demonstrate any intelligence. Something, something white male boss. <laughs> I'm confused about this, too, because, you know, we already know in this universe that Garibaldi had a mole on his staff that tried to kill mm -hmm. him. So there are some, you know, and that mole was sneaking <laughs> equipment on board that was used in an actual assassination. Yes. So... Why exactly do you want to hold on to this one for a while? Uh, because it's his only interesting personality trait and he knows it. <laughs> his thing is he likes conspiracies. Mm -hmm. That's a different yikes for me. For sure. Sheridan alludes to a conspiracy before leaving, giving Garibaldi some real birth certificate blue balls he wouldn't find a use for until a decade later. Shots fired! Shots fired! Oh, dang. <laughs> Uh, disclaimer, I don't know if Jerry Doyle was actually a birth certificate denier during Obama's run, and I refuse to do the research. It was a fucking mm -hmm. joke. Mm -hmm. just, yeah. just get that out of the way, just just in case. I, I, I actually have no idea what Jerry Doyle's uh, conservative talk radio show was like at all. I've never listened to an episode. So I don't, I, I don't know where he was on the scale. I, I almost don't want to because... I don't I want to. I've got no interest in finding out. Yeah, I want to continue. And also, I'm invested in show. not knowing and making jokes. So <laughs> yeah. it's funnier if I don't. Mm -hmm. I hope. Anyways, Talia is walking around again when the Shockmaster runs through the wall, manages to not trip this time, and then grabs Talia. Mm -hmm. uh, we see some same shots as before getting blown up with a little bit more focus on it, it lingers on it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. A little bit longer. Before the killer storms off. Mm -hmm. uh, Garibaldi IDs the Shocker as Abel Horn who killed Sheridan and his wife's special friends. Did you did you clock that too? I was like, um, okay, clearly they were swingers, right? Right, yeah. I, my exact comment is a, 
This is such a in the lifestyle comment, but I'm at work right now. <laughs> um, Garibaldi confirms he's dead. Talia confirms the vision of him dying and reliving his death, thus soft confirming the conspiracy theory. Dun, dun, dun. So we, we cut friends. to, <laughs> I know, I, my husband and I looked at each other on those words. I was like, how did, how did. Bruce Boxleitner get those words out of his mouth without laughing. Like, <laughs> give this man an Emmy for that straight face that he said right. those words with. Our special friends. Mm. <laughs> some very. It wasn't even like some very special friends of ours. They were special friends. Like that's you're a hundred percent right. Totally swingers. Well, this is clearly really Good personal for, for Sheridan, and he wants yeah. this guy brought in alive because he needs to avenge his special friends. <laughs> I can't keep going on this. I can't keep going like this. <laughs> Abel goes to see Amanda Carter, who, by the way, is played by Adrienne Barbeau. She was in a ton of John Carpenter stuff in the 80s. I uh, could see that. They were briefly that. married. And she also originated the role of Rizzo in the Broadway production of Grease. Oh, hey, another Grease connection to this show. Yep, that's to this episode. We'll get back to that, though. Yeah, indeed. Right now we've got Abel Horn doing his best Christian Bale. Yeah. He uh, denies killing anyone and then is a total shitbag and then has a psychotic break. Mm, yeah. I wondered about these like seizure moments that he's having. Mm -hmm. I think the implication is that he's like his his actual personality is breaking through, right? Yeah. He's looking for help, but part of me was like, what if it's all just a long con? And this is how he's getting Talia to where he wants her. So yeah. it's very suspicious. Talia and Garibaldi have some tea and talk about their childhoods. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. So we find out that Garibaldi's dad taught him everything he knows about security, to which I say, hmm. <laughs> that explains uh, a few things. Yeah. It's like, whew. We've bragged pretty hard on Garibaldi's security abilities in the show, and I'm about to rag on them again here in about five minutes. Right. So, uh, whew, maybe Dad should have should have worked a little Gone harder on that one. Send him off to PI school, security school, yeah. whatever they got in the future. Indeed. Instead of being security guard homeschooled. So Talia gives us a window into what family life is like for a telepath. Spoilers, there's no family life. Uh, you get a friend for a year before they get reassigned to be someone else's friend. Right. And she told us that she's been in the psych course since she was five, and she had this sponsor, Abby, for a year, and then she went away. And it's like, so she was six, and they took her adult away? <laughs> like... If you took my son's adults away when he was six, I don't think he would be here. We're holding a lot together. The core is mother. The core is father. You know. Yeah, okay. But Ugh. kids be cruel, yo. Uh, Sheridan calls Garibaldi over to talk about MKUltra. Uh, oh, that's a reference I don't get. Uh, MKUltra is a now declassified thing that actually kind of existed. Um, that's a big conspiracy nut thing where it was the CIA oh, no. was feeding people LSD to experiment with them on mind control unwillingly. Like they were using it as a facade with medical trials. There's all kinds of stuff. It's super unethical and some of it was real and some of it is still just blown out of proportion to the amount of fiction that has taken place around it. And it's mystique at this point in the American psyche. Yeah. That's the thing about American conspiracies, isn't it? Um, yep. But we get this super fucked up story about Project Lazarus, which I'm pretty sure is the plot of at least two Outer Limits episodes, uh, one episode of The X-Files, and a short film by Werner Herzog. Just constantly reliving your death over and over again while your brain is taken over, your body is taken over by a computer instead of your brain. So, yeah, he tells us that these subjects had a computer put in their brain. They are altered with telepathic deep scan, I guess. Mm-hmm. Into that moment of death. Yeah. Garibaldi points out Occam's razor that <laughs> perhaps there's a simpler explanation and maybe that could be it. But uh, Sheridan keeps going. And I mean, if the facts fit, you know, we yeah. got to wear them. But Garibaldi doesn't quite believe it. And Sheridan says, well, if I'm right, I think I know how to find Mr. Horn. Yeah. Uh, we cut to Amanda, who is watching over a now passed out Abel. Until she calls Talia and arranges a meeting, which causes him to wake up 
and then knocks out Amanda. Yeah. Sheridan Garibaldi try searching when Garibaldi messes with Alexa's smart locks and then leaves. This is some big, I, I hate to generalize, but sometimes it's fun. Some big mm -hmm. boomer energy here <laughs> as they try to make this computer do what they want it to. <laughs> I feel I was sitting there and I'm like, I know I've seen someone doing this, but I had that moment today where one of my systems upgraded over the weekend. You know, we're doing this mm -hmm. on a Monday and something oh, went over. Oh, that's the worst day to do it. That was a dumb idea. Yeah. So it went over an upgrade over the weekend and I log into this new thing and I'm like, God, another new interface to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm only in my 30s, but it's getting exhausting. Yeah, so, I mean. Like, usually I'm I'm pretty up on change and I'm rolling with it. And I know I will be mm -hmm. eventually. But today I was like, dang, not another one. <laughs> yeah, I know that like how or I should say how I know I am an actual information technology professional. I beta tested every Windows from XP through to 10 right yeah. just as a user and all of these came out before i was in industry windows 11 was announced and i was cursing about all the work microsoft was going to be putting on my plate over the next several years to roll out this new operating system that's how i yeah. know i made it i'm an actual <laughs> information technology professional when i was no longer excited about the new version of windows and was now very upset i had a very serious business phone call <laughs> with a client no less than a week ago talking mm -hmm. about all the problems we're going to have because windows 11 start bar is centered instead of on the left and how many people that's just going to destroy mentally oh my god right you you have these like s tiny small changes and it just rocks somebody's world completely <laughs> oh i'm gonna get so many people who calling in who are mad at me or the people who work for me or someone else mm -hmm. at my company because we moved the bar to the center. And I'm just going to be all like, it's not us. It's <sighs> everyone. It's all start bars everywhere. I'm going to be swimming in a sea of dissatisfied surveys. <laughs> okay. So where were we? Uh, we were about to meet Zach Allen. Yeah. It's Zach Allen's first episode. Jeff Conway. It's Kanicki. Who was a big fan of the show. That's how he got on? Yeah. Oh, man. There's a little bit about it in that episode guide that I got from the used bookstore that this is the second time I brought up this uh, episode. Because mm -hmm. there's usually not enough to bother in a single episode to bring it up once. But we had two little bits this time. And that said, uh, Jeff Conway got approached to do a bit part on Babylon 5. And then he also had another offer for something that was going to be a longer lasting role and more mm -hmm. regular work. And he was such a fan of the show as it was airing that he turned down the other gigs that he could do Babylon Aww. 5. And then nice. had such a great time on set and was nerding out with JMS about the show that they just mm. kept bringing him back until he was Aww. a series regular. That's nice. I think it's hilarious that I am a musician, but I've actually never seen Grease and I've never seen him in this. Yeah. I know him from Babylon 5. That's where I know <laughs> Jeff Conaway from. Not... Not the big motion picture that he was in with John Travolta. Like, it's Babylon 5. <laughs> Grease is, I mean, I, I really enjoy Grease. Grease is terrible. So maybe we'll watch that for one of our bonus movies. Oh, we should watch that for one of our bonus episodes at some point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Zach Allen is helping escort Talia down the hallway. Mm -hmm. They meet up with Garibaldi, and they go to drop her off at Amanda Carter's quarters. And yet no one searches those quarters just in case... Yeah, just don't just go inside. We won't even look in the room. How could it possibly be insecure? We've been with you the whole time. Yeah, because Garibaldi's homeschool education left a few things out, I guess. Right. Talia goes to this meeting and is about to get got when uh, Sheridan finally gets off the phone with Comcast tech support and gets the modem working again. <laughs> uh, we see a psychop in Abel's vision. A security busts in to save her. Doesn't save her. Sheridan runs in to save her. Yeah. Saves her mm -hmm. with logic. Uh, he logics Abel into de-escalating so that he can immediately re-escalate and get shot. That's how you deal with computers, right? You logic them to death? Yeah. We've been over this. I th I feel like we've said yeah, that for you, this you podcast. Yeah, you turn test them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, like you stop a computer by giving it a, a problem that's impossible to solve. And just watch the computer just fail. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, oh, it's a simple is... problem. Let me run this algorithm, and then all of a sudden it's this repeating pattern that never ends, and like, you shut the computer down. This is classic sci-fi. This is yep. from the originals, from the best. Mm -hmm. Sheridan tries to talk him down. It fails. Well, it, it succeeds in that he lets Talia go, but then Abel knows that Earth did this to him, and so he tries to take a shot at the Earthers that are nearby. Fails, gets shot by Sheridan. Uh, he tells Amanda that Mars will never be free. Until the sands run red with Earther blood. Joke's on mm -hmm. you. The sands are red on Mars, bitch. <laughs> it's already red, duh. You idiot. Haven't you been? <laughs> Go to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. So Zach goes to check his life signs and the yeah. body starts whirring. <laughs> we get the most dramatic death scene out of this actor. He's just like breath of was like <laughs> it gets so bad um and yeah it turns into an exploding corpse everyone runs and it kills an unknown amount of people in the surrounding rooms oh my god right they all run into this hallway but nobody shuts the door right <laughs> how many people are dead in those other rooms yeah Ooh. rest in peace yep uh, we get carter's backstory after this in med lab Mm -hmm. who gets a pass on her membership in a proto-terrorist organization. There's a good chance I may have committed some light treason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sheridan's going to keep her secret if she will do him a solid. She's got to continue fighting for Asogi's plan, try to get Future Corp to work toward this economic freedom for Mars. But in exchange, Sheridan's not going to tell about her being a sort of a terrorist. Yep. After this, uh, Talia confirms the operation, but leaves the Psycor out of it. And even mm -hmm. like, it's like you didn't recognize any individuals or symbols or organizations. Uniforms. Right? <laughs> like, Psycor wasn't in that dream you had, was it? No? Okay. Just checking. It almost seems like Sheridan really has a suspicion about who it is here. Yeah. Um, and he, again, reiterates that a little bit when Garibaldi and Sheridan go back to his office and Garibaldi confronts him. How did you know about this Lazarus project? Which is a fair question. Right. Yeah. Sheridan's weird answer is that he collects secrets and conspiracies. Yeah. He's, he owns up to being a conspiracy nut. But he's only crazy if he's wrong. Yeah, I was not into this at all. I've had a little too much conspiracy in the last few years. I don't know about you. Oh, for sure. And the the thing about conspiracies is that they really require a group of people to all get along at once about <laughs> something. And I don't know that that's possible. Yeah, anyone who believes in conspiracy theories has clearly never been in a work project. <laughs> or mm -hmm. dealt with a project manager. <laughs> yep, you nailed it. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. so Sheridan brings Garibaldi into this conspiracy verse. Yep, swears him to secrecy and tells him about Bureau Thirteen, an organization so secret that they're never brought up in the plot again. I was gonna say Section Thirty One. <laughs> I actually wrote that on accident and had to cross it out on my note. <laughs> I think it's very funny that those numbers are in it. Yeah, I thought that was a shame. I'll just go ahead and skip towards some of my overall thoughts of the episode. But it was like, this set up a really interesting thing with this Bureau 13, and then we never mm. hear about them again. So there's a reason. Okay. There, There's a legal reason, actually. Oh. Um, There was a tabletop role-playing game called Bureau 13. That came out a year and a half beforehand. JMS had never heard of it. No one mm -hmm. in the writing crew had. And then they found out about it shortly after this episode aired. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. And so they just swore off using the name ever again to avoid any possible legal issues. Okay. I guess that makes sense. He said out something on Usenet about how Bureau 13 was still around. They just got absorbed into one of the other conspiracy groups running around doing black op shit we just had a little government reshuffling we moved yeah some of the just got rid of bureau around. 13 just we didn't like the name we put it under the department of homeland security and now they've got a different thing and a different director it's fine yeah it's, it's all in the up and up it's fine 
Cool. So we get San Diego one last time. We get a yep. little flyover. And we hear from the screensaver that the mission was only partly successful. It mentioned when he was checking in, when he was like plugging his finger USB into mm-hmm. the thing, that there were two parts. So he needed to eliminate Talia and then move to part two. So I yeah. guess we're presuming part two's gone. Or, yep. You know, at least it's stalled for now. I thought it was interesting that at first I thought that the, the screensaver was control, mm-hmm. but it didn't sound like that from this conversation. It sounded like control is a person and the screensaver is supposed to communicate back to control. Yeah. On the orders of the psychop that was in the dream. Mm. So control is supposed to go take care of something. Yep. And we never find out what ish. There is a bit about the author of the episode said something along the lines of the two knights from season one. Oh, yeah. Okay. They would have been agents of uh, Bureau 13. Hmm. Okay. That is not an episode that this guy wrote. And then there's also a bit in a later episode with, I won't spoil anything, but <laughs> there's, there's a bit in later in season two where some other action that happens, it's not named by who, what who did it is assumed to be control as well. Okay. So also we see that Talia was researching, trying to figure out who this psychop was. Mm-hmm. And we end the episode seeing that according to the computer, this person is already deceased. Dun, dun, dun. So what do you think of this episode? Scale of Babylon um, one to five. Babylon's one to five. Well, I'm going to talk it out a little first. Go for so, it. So I really thought the guest stars in this episode were solid. I enjoyed all of the guests. The um, guest stars were great in this episode. Especially Senator Walter. Bring her back. The plot with the Psycop was really intriguing. You know, this whole Bureau 13 and the Psycop lady. But mm-hmm. as, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember this going anywhere. I it don't doesn't. remember seeing this person again. And it's kind of disappointing that um, we, I don't... we set up all this stuff. I don't know if the act the actress who plays uh, Control slash Thirteen comes back. I don't think so. If it is, it wasn't significant enough for my child brain to like absorb it and hang on to it. Uh, it's kind of disappointing that we keep throwing tragedies at Talia involving Ben in her life. So we had her lover that turned into space stuff, and yeah. now we have her father figure. The closest she had because she has the sad psychor father get, you know, assassinated. I don't know. That's just not my favorite. Yeah. It has real filler energy when you do stuff like that. <laughs> sure uh, may- does. Okay. I'm, I'm glad it's not just me that feels that. I don't know. I loved the story stuff except for Sheridan conveniently having answers for stuff that rely on conspiracies. So I don't know. I kind of feel like for me, this one is a two, despite the strong guest stars. No, that's exactly where I put this. I put it at two out of five question mark. I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. It was just kind of blah. Like if I were flipping through TV stations and this was the episode of Babylon 5 I ran across, I would probably keep going. But I also didn't hate it. Yeah, I didn't didn't hate it. It's one of those things that's like, there's so much going on. I'm not sure that if I was trying to pick it up in the middle for one of these guest stars that I would mm-hmm. be able to do that. And its ideas were good. The execution was, again, kind of a miss for me. For sure. This just wasn't a good episode. It's, it's interesting when we, we like have in sync thoughts without discussing anything prior. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like sometimes one of us will text the other and be like, I love this episode, but that did not happen here. No, <laughs> no, no, it didn't. No thoughts. Yeah. In in fact, you know, we both struggled to get our notes done for this one. Uh, we did. To the point where we, I mean, I had to, I stopped to do laundry at one point just to like uh-huh. do something else besides watch this episode of Babylon 5. Yeah. I definitely wasn't typing mine up 30 minutes prior to the recording. Right. Same. <laughs> So rough. There was a, a thing I missed in the episode that I want to bring mm-hmm. up real quick. And sure. that's Amanda Carter is we get a reference to her great, great grandfather settling <laughs> Mars. That is a reference to Edgar Rice Burroughs, John Carter of Mars. Oh, yeah. That's fun. I didn't put that together until you started saying it. I was like, oh, this is the John Carter of Mars, isn't it? 
Yep. That's cute. Yep. I, I didn't like catch that. it until just now reading yeah. stuff on the internets about the episode as we're talking about it. So that's cute. Well, A plus for that. Yeah. Mr. That was solid. I love when sci fi alludes to other sci fi. That's a it is fun. favorite thing of mine. I, I, the homage. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I love it. I know JMS says he doesn't do that or he doesn't like to do that, but yeah, I, I mean, personally enjoy John it. Carter Mars is enough, though. Like, that's fun. Okay. So next time. We're going to be looking at season two, episode seven, a race through dark places. Talia discovers dangerous secrets about the Psychor. Dr. Mm. Franklin, who was not on this episode, is nowhere to be found in this previous episode here, uh, participates in illegal activity aboard Babylon five again, again, again. And Delenn <laughs> learns what it's like to be human from Sheridan. Mm. I really, really hope. We don't get the scene with Ivanova and Delenn that I know is coming at some point in the next couple of episodes in the next one. And that's the blurb because I'd be really mad at you, HBO Max, if that's the case. I've actually already watched this one. And no, that scene that you're thinking of is not in this one. Cool. All right. So (laughs) rest assured. It's good to know. Well, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm looking forward to that one, too. What illegal thing could Franklin be doing now? Right. All right. Well, that's that, Internet. Uh, I'd like to go ahead and shout out some thank yous. Thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine for our lovely podcast art. I uh, was tempted to buy us a new art for season two, but then, you know, stuff kept happening. So yeah. maybe we'll get a another season three. A season art. three? I mean, new, we, just, new we, outfits. We, we had our season two tech upgrade. Yeah, we did. We did the tech upgrade this season, guys. So we'll do yeah. the art next season how about that yeah i don't know if you <laughs> noticed a difference listener but we we upgraded all the equipment as of last episode yeah i hope you noticed and if you did i'd love for you to say something in the discord if there's a notable just... jump in quality for you please let us know so that we can f- yeah. feel like we justified our purchases <laughs> <laughs> or you can email us at who are you b5 at gmail.com yep and also thank you to jeremy siegel for our theme music, he's at jeremysegal42.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I do love our theme music. Me too. It's fun. And thank you to you, the listener, for being here and enjoying this episode of Babylon 5 with us. Whether or not you enjoyed it. Hopefully you enjoyed <laughs> t- listening to us talk about it. And you can continue to talk to us on our Discord as well, which has seen an uptick the last 48 hours. There's been a bunch of people who joined. It's been, I don't know if you noticed. I did notice. Actually, Aaron also called it out because he's he lurks in the background. He's a good lurker. Yeah. And he, he said, hey, did you see all this happening on the Discord? All these people joining? And I was like, well, okay, cool. I texted Ben and was just like, hey, I'm not up to date on TGG. Did RP1 air? <laughs> it has not yet. Yeah. Uh, I know. I'm, that's exciting. <laughs> I'm ready for it to, to come out. <laughs> I'm not. I'm scared of what will happen. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but hey, we got the season two upgrade out before that airs. So. Right. Wouldn't that be so funny if it airs along with this episode? We rambled way too much. The theme credits just started. Well, I hope that we'll see you next week to get through the race through dark places. Have a good one. See you next week.